Welcome to PleasingToThePower.com podcast. This is your host, Horace Weaver Jr. Hope you all are doing well this week. Coming to you today on a Tuesday. Had some technical issues the past few weeks, so trying to get things organized a little bit better and feel like I'm getting back on track. So we're going to be back, hopefully, uh, Lord willing, on uh, releasing these podcasts on Monday. But I have a treat for you today. I'm going to be sharing an excerpt from my upcoming book, The Furnace of Affliction. And um, you guys were very patient with me last week, and a lot of you listened to and enjoyed this uh, resurrection series I did for the month of April. And then last week I took a moment to share something that was a little painful regarding my father and his Alzheimer's and the fact that... Um, the last Sunday in April was the um, last time that my father, was the first time my father didn't recognize me since he's been battling the Alzheimer's. But I'm going to continue in prayer for him and my family that as we deal with this uh, difficult disease my father is battling, that God will give us wisdom and give him peace in his mind. But I'm excited to share this first chapter of, of this new upcoming book with you. I'm not sure if I'm going to read the entire chapter. I may break it up into parts. We'll see how long it takes. But I've been working on this book for approaching 18 months now and about to finish the final edits on the last chapter of this month and get it off to the book designer. So Lord willing, stay on track to have pre-orders late this summer. So here we go. I'm going to start with chapter one. And the title of the book is The Furnace of Affliction, How God Uses Our Pain and Suffering for His Purpose. Chapter 1. God uses our pain and suffering to divulge sin in our lives. As far back as biblical times, people often assumed that if you were suffering from some physical infirmity or difficulty, it was a direct result of sin in your life. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God may indeed use pain to help you recognize your need for Him. You may attempt to camouflage the sins in your life by comparing yourself to the criminals and terrorists that litter our newcasts daily. However, as God states in His Word, that is not the standard to compare yourself to. It says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God's desire is for each of us to come to Him willingly and seek forgiveness for our sins. Only then we can enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden, we are infected with a sin nature. In fact, we were born with it. Now before you object, consider this. Does a child have to be taught how to be selfish or tell a lie? Usually one of the first words a child speaks after mumbling out some version of mommy or daddy is mine. If you still refuse to admit you're a sinner, that may be the exact reason God has you in the furnace of affliction. He wants your attention. He desires to welcome you into his family. However, sometimes it takes painful situations to grab your attention and remind you that you need the Savior. Being a Christian is more than living a pretty good life while being kind to others or going to church regularly. God is interested in us having a heart change, meaning a willingness to live for and obey him. My friend, if you are reading this book and have not admitted to God that you are a sinner and ask Him to forgive you for your sins, you are in for a lot worse than the time in the furnace of affliction. 
So then we have a subheading here titled Unquenchable Fire. If you continue to refuse your need for the Savior, you are destined to spend eternity in hell. That is not my opinion. It comes directly from the Bible. Hell is not fiction or a fairy tale. Hell is a real place where all who have sinned, for all, where all who have refused Christ as their Savior will spend eternity. Here's a scripture from Matthew 3:12. Do not fear those who kill the body and are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to kill both the body and the soul in hell. I'm sorry, that's Matthew 10:28. Here's another scripture. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's Matthew 3.12. God is holy, and he cannot tolerate sin. That is why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to walk the earth in human form, and allowed him to die on the cross and rise from the grave three days later. It took the sacrifice of the perfect Savior to cover the sins of humankind. However, you must accept this gift of salvation not only to be rescued from eternal damnation, but to live in concert with Him. I pray that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you will confess your sins and ask Him to be Lord of your life. Salvation is not a guarantee that your life will always be comfortable. It does mean that you have Almighty God living within you through the Holy Spirit. Here we have, we have another subtitle. Christians are sinners too. At the age of five, I knelt next to my bed with my mother beside me, and asked Jesus to come into my heart. More than anything else, I knew I was deathly afraid of going to hell. However, throughout middle school, junior high, and high school, I had no heart transformation. I was dragged to Sunday school and church every time the doors were open, but I had no desire to develop my relationship with God. I was not living, like, I was not living a Christ-like life, so a lot of my pain and suffering leading up to my stroke was self-inflicted. As, those painful, as painful as those trying seasons of my life were, I feel I have learned and grown from the experiences. I no longer practice those habitual sins, taking advantage of God's undeserved grace. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. That scripture is found in 1 John 3.9. As born-again Christians, we should have a heart change resulting in a shift in our behaviors as we seek to live for Christ. Here's a scripture from Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brother, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transferred by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Transformation takes place in our hearts as we immerse ourselves in God's Word and seek to understand His commandments. When we are too busy or unwilling to do so, God will get our attention. Here are some of my favorite verses for Psalm 119. They spoke to me loudly after my stroke as I dove into the Bible to understand and know God's purposes for my life. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. With all my heart I will observe your precepts. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Your hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous, and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Those scriptures are from Psalm 119, verses 67 through 69. 
71, 73, and 75. When I read these passages for the first time, everything began to come into focus. I had forgotten or ignored all of God's precepts that I had heard and memorized as a child. I especially ignored them in my teenage and adult years. Ask any of my family members, or maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> I did everything I could to avoid the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This included not reading my Bible on a regular basis. I also resisted going to church as often as possible, and in doing so I missed the fellowship with other Christians and the teaching of God's Word. I kept busy with my work. I was convinced that I was doing the right thing and providing for myself. Meanwhile, I forgot that it was God who had blessed me with the talents and abilities to thrive in my profession. I lived a self-indulgent, believe-only-in-myself lifestyle until it all came crashing down on me in the form of my life-altering stroke. The furnace of affliction is a constant tool God uses while we are here on earth. We will experience pain and suffering until he takes us to heaven to live with him. How long we spend in the furnace has a lot to do with how we respond to God's ongoing attempts to make us more like him. God does not want a bunch of robots walking around saying, Yes, Master, what can I do, Master? God has given us a choice, a choice to live a life that pleases and glorifies Him. God wants to purify us from sin. This is His first step in fulfilling His purpose for our pain. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. It's been a little bit over nine minutes on this recording today. And uh, we'll come back next week and we'll finish up the... Uh, Chapter 1 of the First of Affliction, How God Uses Pain and Suffering for His Purpose. I hope this recording has gotten you a little bit excited for the upcoming release of my next book. I'm excited to share it with the world. Thank you so much for tuning in to PleasingToThePod.com podcast. I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Have a wonderful week. Keep your eyes on Christ and God bless.